This is Coda Radio, episode 395 for January 4th, 2021. Hello, friends, and welcome into Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the world of software development and, of course, technology. My name is Chris, and this episode is brought to you by a cloud guru. A cloud guru now includes cloud playgrounds, Azure AWS, Google Cloud Soundboxes, but it's on ACG's credit card, not yours. Get certified, get hired, get learning at a cloudguru.com. Join us at his weather station. In Florida, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. What's up, Mr. Fisher? Happy 2021 to you, sir. It's been roughly the same. Yeah, 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 as one would expect, really. It's like we make a big deal about it. It's funny, like we actually make a really big deal about it this year, but it's all kind of a construct, <laughs> you know? I mean, not to be a downer, but like... Time is sort of a construct in which we have all just begun to participate. And there's like not really a New Year's. There's not, it's not like a real thing. It's something we made up. So it's kind of like the Green Lantern, but that moment when he realizes he no longer believes in himself like 5,000 feet in the air and it's like, oh shit, I can't fly anymore. Yeah. That's why I'm not, I'm not big on waiting to do resolutions until the new year. If there's something I want to do, I just, I just try to kind of do it. Yeah. I just kind of do whatever the hell I want. That's why. For Christmas, I got myself a deep fryer. You're killing me. Now, don't come at me with your deep frying hate because, you know, you can fry stuff healthy, I suppose. Oh, there's no hate. So I, I got this, I got an old fryer from Angela's house, my, my ex-wife's house, and I hadn't, I hadn't touched it in about seven years. <laughs> and it was in rough shape, Mike. It was in real rough shape. Yes. It was left in a used state. It was not put away in a clean state. And uh, I decided to just... Go all craftsmen on it. You ever have one of these things where you're like, you know what? I'm going to do a really damn good job at something. No. <laughs> no. I'm going to go all in. No. <laughs> I don't do it often, but I'm like, you know, this is something where like I could just go all like immaculate on this thing. And I, so I spent like two and a half hours, three hours perfectly cleaning this deep fryer. And it looked, it looked brand freaking new. I mean, the metal on like the basket for the fryer shined. The outside was perfect, immaculate. I mean, I really was proud. And I, I fried up some uh, onion strings for Christmas dinner for the uh, green bean casserole. And it was amazing. And I thought, wow, this is so great. I'm going to fry more often. I went out to get the deep fryer the next day, and it was broken. <laughs> it had broke that night. The, some of the plastic latching was just old and brittle and just started disintegrated inside. <laughs> And I was left devastated because I decided to go all craftsmen on this deep fryer. And I got like this emotional connection with this deep fryer. And I reconnected with how much I love to fry food. And then it broke on me. And so I just, I couldn't take it. And I thought about it. And I, I went on, I'm not even kidding about any of this. I went on a research bender for a solid two hours on deep fryers. I looked at commercial deep fryers. I actually went to a kitchen supply store here in the Pacific Northwest and surveyed their commercial grade deep fryers. <laughs> I really went deep now that I think about this. This is kind of a tragedy. This is. <laughs> I didn't handle it well. <laughs> this is like. How could something like this happen to you? <laughs> so I don't know. But I ended up just getting a Cuisinart pro-consumer style. I really like it. I didn't go all in, but, you know, I looked at the various price ranges, and I got a deep fryer. And, you know, I got to say, two two days into using it, I don't think I want it anymore. 
It makes the whole place really stink like oil. It's no good. The whole studio smells like fried food right now. And I, I, I just don't know about it. So, you know, it's been a weird New Year's. <laughs> well, as the chat room has just pointed out, I recently uh, acquired a MacBook Air M1 again. Yeah. And watched Fifty Shades of Grey. So I don't know which one of those you'd like to deal with first. <laughs> well, we're going to get to the M1. That is for sure. Um, I got a couple of quick emails of course, there's a really important one or two that came in about robes this week, but I'll just focus on a couple of them. Uh, Brian and Zoe wrote in and said, Chris and Mike, I'm writing in regards to the robe bros. My daughter and I listen to the show every week, and we get a kick out of it while we learn more and more. My daughter was wondering if the robes will come in a kid size. So, Zoe, I got to say, I'm looking into this right now, but I'm having a challenge even getting adult size robes. But that is something I'm taking under advisement for future swag development. Wait, is this robe dream still still a thing? Dude. Our top people are working on it right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> they really are. We get emails every week about people that are robe bros. I know we do. I see them, and I'm just like, do you know how much a custom robe's going to cost per unit? I say our top people are working on it. We're seeing if we can't get something made cheap in China. I'm sorry. Is that, <laughs> wait, wait, is that like top men from Shenzhen? Is that what we're... Yeah. Yeah. People familiar with the matter are investigating options right now. Well... I know we just got Steve Bannon to fly over there, so we should be in good shape. I've got somebody better than Bannon. But so uh, Brian's daughter Zoe is eight years old and would love a Coda radio robe. So I think what we're seeing here is clearly this robe idea appeals to people in a in a wide, wide demo. It's not just people that are, you know, in their in their adult work years. I can't believe you, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. They really, truly wrote in. (laughs) Anyways, they say thanks uh, for the, well, basically they really want to become part of the Robe Bros because Robe Bros also includes ladies. So they'll be waiting in the wings and they say thanks for the show. They just started getting into Rust about a month ago. Uh, Brian was a C++ and C Sharp guy for most of his development career, but Ooh, good. Uh, after using Rust, I, I got into one of those Rust positions at a tech company in the Seattle area. Oh, that's cool, Brian. Mm, a tech company in the Seattle area, you say? <laughs> he says very respectively, Brian and Zoe. I'll let you know, Brian, about those robes. So wait, would Zoe, would, would young Zoe, I guess Zoe is baby Zoe, be a robe Padawan? Because, you know, we're getting dangerously close to establishing a Coda Radio Jedi order here. It probably is Zoe, huh? We should know for the records. You guys got to let us know. We should know. You have to write back in because we got to know her real name. Archie. And see, this this one really got to me. Archie wrote in and says, uh, I can has robe. Oh, my God. Really? Seriously. I need a superior quality robe. My current robe isn't even an MVP. Please robe, Archie. <laughs> Which really, you know, that was, that hit me hard. <laughs> I get it. You're really into this. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on. Actually, some real feedback. You touched on time tracking last week, and we got a couple of really, really interesting emails about that. David wrote in, uh, he said, for time tracking, he uses uh, Harvest. It's been great for us. It comes with apps on the PC, Mac, phone, integrations with Trello. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no official app for Linux, but the API is decent, and there is a project out there that he uses, and yes, it is written in Rust. Yep. I used to use Harvest. Uh, until I went to QuickBooks at the insistence of my very grumpy, very related to me account. <laughs> um, yeah, that's always been what drove me to QuickBooks too, is ultimately the accountants. I have some real-time robe feedback if you'd like it. Yes, always. A very attractive attorney in the Tampa area would also like a robe. 
There you go. I, I think attractive attorneys should have robes. I really do. I think attractive attorneys should have robes. <laughs> and this is another lady robe. So. Oh, okay. I actually have gotten, I've gotten a fair amount of interest from ladies. The robe rose absolutely includes the ladies. Chris, we all know you get a fair amount of interest from the ladies. <laughs> all right. So next email on time tracking comes in from Carl. And this one is so geeky. Uh, talking about time tracking tools, he says, uh, fellas, I wonder, have you heard about the plain text accounting community? A few enthusiasts, looking back to the early 80s style of computerized ledgers, built tools focused around plain text, console entered, and queried ledgers. The community gained some traction with the introduction of Ledger CLI, but has since diversified into several other tools. Personally, I use BeanCount because it's a very sleek and well-designed GUI wrapper that you can self-host, provides a Python module for scripting, and allows you to define your own currency, including time. I went and looked at some of this plaintextaccounting.org stuff, and it felt right. You know when you see something and you look at it and you go, there's something to that. Like, I don't think I'm going to do it, but when I looked at that, there was a bit of me that immediately felt oh man, I wish I could do my books like this because it just, it looked, it sounds silly at first, but it just looks right. It reminds me of how my grandpa used to do his accounting on Lotus and stuff on the, on a machine. That was, wow, Lotus, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, yeah, it was quite old. But uh, have you ever heard of this plain text accounting business? Kind of. So longtime listeners will know that my old man is a 77-year-old accountant, CPA actually. He thinks that every version of Excel that is released is a personal attack. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Every time they update it, it's like, it's like Sacha sitting there. <laughs> hey, old man. Fuck you. Here you go. Yep. He taught me basic bookkeeping when I was eight. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, older, I, th I don't think they teach this in school anymore, but Chris, I think you all know what I'm talking about. Remember those green ledger books? Oh, Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, in, when I was in school, that's how you'd learn book. You had a class yep. called bookkeeping, and yep. I was not doing well, and he was an accountant. He was like, no, you're going to fuck you. Hey, I'm an accountant. How can you not know this? By the way, since we changed to the night thing, the show is no longer clean. Sorry. I did have a beep somewhere around yeah, here. Yeah, somewhere. There it is. He, he deleted the beep button in exchange for the robe glory button. He's, <laughs> he hasn't been able to press it yet, but... I need something noble that just rolls out. It kind of unfolds. No, you know what it needs to be, right? Just for irony's sake. Hmm. The song they play during Order 66. <laughs> just like the sad, like we're all going to die. No, but like, wow. yes, he. there's nothing more plain text than pencil and green graph paper. That's my point. But no, I did look at this. I have to be honest with you. I hate QuickBooks Online because it's hard as hell to use. I'm sort of thinking maybe I look at this. Just for like basic, like, you know, like when I'm on a trip, right? Gotta be nice. You know, when the apocalypse is over, just to like key in some basic information. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. You're right. Like to use it temporarily to keep track of what's going on. Well, this is maybe too like self-employed sales guy inside baseball here, but you you know, you might know this. Uh, the rules on meals and entertainment have changed significantly, right? And what you can expense and what you can't. Hmm, I don't know if I do know. I mean, because I've been out of the game for a little while, then there's been no events. Oh, yeah. 2019, they changed, and it goes, uh, well, I'm not, a, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a CPA, so I don't take my advice, but or a lawyer or whatever. But it's uh, it used to be if you had a client with you, you were basically like fallen, right? Expense everything. Now, I think it's only the client's meal or something. And again, ask your accountant. But you need to track like detailed. It's not just how much did you spend. It's 
how much of it was you. Uh, which is, <laughs> I have to tell you, I miss ordering $15 martinis. Well, I, you know, and it's not even necessarily a tax scam. Like, legitimately, some of the Did best... I, oh, infer- whoa, 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 whoa. Did I say scam? No, I'm, na- I'm saying, like, those meals where you're expensing that stuff, real business happens there. Yeah, I know. Like, actual, like, maybe not actual the business itself, but the... The, the the starting of a process of business. Like, it's just, oh, wow. I could go on and on forever about that. But the, yeah. I did not know that. I will look into it, though. You never know. It could really bite me in the butt. Yeah, it, it's really weird. And, and I'll just totally straight. I don't completely understand what changed. But I know it's, they're ba- like, unless you are, in fact, a pharmaceutical sales rep, they're getting real strict, especially if you're <laughs> the owner of the company. And, like, was that really a business meeting or, you know? It's funny you say that that industry specifically because um when i was doing it consulting i had a handful of doctors offices and i would try to time the day that i would visit because i would try to visit them once a week i would try to time that for the day that the pharmaceutical rep was in the office giving the free lunch to the entire staff because that was a weekly occurrence at these offices that you can weirdly still do god it was great it was great I don't think so. Fuck you guys. Work from home, buy your own meals. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Or um, like there is uh, I've seen what some companies are doing now is uh, subscribing their employees to these like boxes of the month that include like the snacks or that. include. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, that you know, now, that, now they don't have like the snack area with the free unlimited snacks, but they're sending you a box of stuff for your. House. I have to say, since, since I've gone remote, I did not realize how much I was spending on beer and coffee. Oh man, for me it's definitely the caffeine. It's yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I mean, for because we had like a like every Friday we had beer and we had like a whole coffee. Like, oh sure. Yeah, it was, and I couldn't buy regular coffee. No, I had to buy like you know the Sultan's third wife's right. cousins, right. whatever. Yeah, can't have Folgers in there. Oh fuck Folgers! I would still buy <laughs> Folgers. It goes against the brand. <laughs> Listen, we're the Mad Botter. We have tea that may or may not be made from shrooms. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I actually think you're onto it right there, though. Using this thing as a ledger while you're out and about or uh, maybe working for a particular project. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's yes. even better. Yeah. I didn't even uh-huh. think that. Expend, like, right. What is your PL on an individual product, uh, project, rather? Which reminds me, can I, can I take a diversion here? Sure, sure. So Ruby 3 came out. Oh, look at them. I'm so sad. <laughs> what in particular makes you sad about it? My inability to cleanly upgrade my projects. Oh, yes. Came out on Christmas, too, by the way, which is uh, cute. You're right? Is that their thing? Do they do that normally, a Christmas release? It's literally what I deserve for Christmas, I think. <laughs> a bunch of work that no one wants to pay for and is an incredible pain in the ass. <sighs> well, it's all about performance, this release, you know? Okay, now you sound like my ex-wife. Oh, <laughs> too much, too much. No, too it, much. It, that's what they've that's what they've touted. Uh, just a ton. It's all about like that's why that, I think that's what they're trying to say. The reason to upgrade is because there's this gi- ginormous leap in performance. Oh, kidding aside, it, it's actually a lot faster. And if you were, I don't know, fifteen and just doing toy projects, that would be great. Yeah. If you had large code bases that have been around for seven years uh it's not so great well especially if the client is not so interested in paying the the time required to actually fix it well it's almost like it's hard to it and i i will say i have no specific client who doesn't want to pay for it right now but it's like i'm writing the pitch for why they should pay for it i'm like i don't know should you pay for it like ram is super cheap and you're not having performance issues 
and this is going to cost you like twenty thousand dollars so that's yeah maybe just don't pay for it right although i would (laughs) love to take you know what i mean i'm like i would love for you to pay it's like it's a very conflict of interest situation yeah i I could see it if it's security driven well so this is where it gets bad because at some point one of some of the gems like devise devise is a big one right and for Mm -hmm. those who don't do rails devise is kind of the user authentication user identity management gem that's often used in rails you know at some point that's going to ruby 3 yeah Right. And it's going to be hard to maintain like Ruby 2. I don't remember the specific version, but let's call it like 2.5, maybe 2.7. So then you're like, you're in the situation of, okay, now it's a security issue. So does does that 20K make sense? Mm -hmm. I think we got feedback about this last week too, about when to upgrade and when to not. Well, and like Noble Payne is pointing out in the chat room, it's going to be an easier upgrade than when 5 or 4.0 rolls out. It's never easy, Wes. (laughs) It's never easy. Ruby is, that's a title. Ruby is never easy. Although probably not appropriate for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you know what? I think we should just have stopped at dial-up myself, but. That'd have been great. That'd have been great. I was, I'm, I'm actually always astonished what I got away with using dial-up. It just seems impossible now. I mean, I'm astonished at what you get away with in general, but. <laughs> all right. One, one, one question <laughs> that Rich has for the audience. He says, I'm intrigued by all the talk about programmable keyboards but they seem way too expensive to try out. Are there any Linux-compatible ones in the $20 to $50 range that I could try out without breaking the bank? No. I didn't. I don't know of any, but I thought maybe somebody out there in the audience does. So I did some Googling. There's not that I could find. <laughs> okay. Now, there's some guys like saying, I have an Arduino board and I built a keyboard. Yeah. But if you factor in the materials and the time, no, not for Yeah, it, it may just come down to, you know, cost of materials to build something like that they're high quality they have to take a lot of long-term use and and kind of you know never really get probably taken care of well just good switches aren't that cheap either right true yeah quality switches matter uh so you know feedback's a big part of our show it keeps us connected with our audience so we wanted to ask you guys what type of work are you doing send us in a brief rundown of the stack you're working in why not include the machine you know some brief specs and os that'd be interesting too so we can kind of get an idea we like to kind of just kind of have these conversations from time to time. So if you're doing development day to day, tell us a bit about what you're doing. Or maybe you're running a business or maybe you're going to school. I just kind of like to get an idea. And even if you haven't started working on a project yet, you may have something in mind. I'd like to get an idea of what that is. Try to keep it as brief as you can just so we can get several of them on air. And then, um, you know, share with us as much or as little as you would like. We kind of keep it first names only, if you've probably noticed, fairly vague. We may say the country you've written in from if you add that to your signature. But head over to coder.show slash contact and tell me about your current work and your stack and a little bit about your specs. That's coder.show slash contact or email us coder at jupiterbroadcasting.com directly. That's just kind of a great way for us to uh, keep the feedback uh, fresh and get an idea of what everybody out there is doing. You got any special requests for those emails? Anything that you want them to include? Maybe like a secret message? <laughs> not today, no. No, not today. Uh, although, Ed, although, Ed, if you're, you know, just Ed and, Ed and Egon, I want to make sure you guys are okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear from Egon. Yeah, Egon, if you're out there in particular. I know, I know Julian got saved by a British judge, so. Yeah. Maybe maybe he'll be uh, writing. You know, he's a big fan. That's what they that's what they tell me. Him and Ed, they're they're big fans. Lino.com slash coder receive a one hundred dollars sixty day credit towards your new account. Yep, yep. I said a hundred dollars. Yeah, Linode is the largest independent cloud 
And now you can get a $100 credit to try out some of their infrastructure or some of their object storage or some of their node balancing. We use Linode to host all of our infrastructure here at jupiterbroadcasting.com. When we decided to build JB 3.0 going independent again, it was, it was kind of obvious to go on Linode. Not only do they have 11 data centers around the world, so I can position stuff regionally for the audience, which is great, but they have native SSD storage on their machines. They're very fast. 40 gigabit connections into those machines. And then they have a really nice dashboard. And they've done something really clever. You got to try this. So go to linode.com slash coder to see what I'm talking about. But they really walk that line between super easy to use and just one or two clicks away from, oh, you really know what you're doing. Here's the exact command line now to mount this new object storage or block storage right onto your Linux box and format it as extended for. And then you just click, click, boom, boom, you can do all that. Or here's the instructions, do the rest yourself. Like they just really walk that line super well. But on top of all of that, they have a killer API. And you can use that API directly with your code or take advantage of their command line application. This is something I'll do when I'm working on a project is I'll put the Linode command line application in my Uake terminal, that my dropdown terminal on Plasma. So I hit F12 or tilde depending on my machine. And I've got my Linode access right there. So I can, I can upload and flip stuff public and generate the URL and copy it to my clipboard <laughs> in just like instantaneous. So I can be in my working directory in my UAKE terminal and I'll generate a file and then I'll just hit, I'll hit that, I'll hit that Linode CLI app. I'll throw that file up on object storage. I'll flip it to public. I'll generate the URL and boom, I've shared it with somebody in just seconds. And it's up on their super fast object storage. And Linode is independently owned, and they're founded on a love for Linux. I really like that, that about them. But I get, I get how they got there. They started before AWS because they saw where this stuff was going deep inside the Linux stack. And then they built a company around that, which later turned out to be cloud computing. And now Linode is the largest independent cloud for developers, and they're dedicated to offering the best virtualized cloud computing. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. So go to linode.com slash coder and get a $100 60-day credit towards your new account, and you support the show. By supporting our sponsors, like going to linode.com slash coder, you make it possible for independent media to give their shows away for free. So thanks to Linode for their support, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. linode.com slash coder. Okay, so you got an M1. Again, you had an M1. You sent it back. You thought about it, and you got one again. And this is how I figured it out, too, because you didn't tell me. Like, you know, usually you'll tell me, but this time, nope, mum's the mic. I just see this tweet. You're like, hmm, interesting. Looks like JetBrains is already on the M1 train. Hmm, that's good for me, which was my first indication that you had gotten yourself a MacBook Air again. So, all right, uh, you know the audience wants to know what's going on here, and so do I. So sometimes we, in life, make mistakes. <laughs> we do regrettable things and then we learn from them. I had the thinnest of client requests <laughs> that triggered me to rebuy an M1. Love it. But I needed the fig leaf of a justification because I had learned that the issues I was having could be mitigated by a release that came out like two days after I got mine. Because remember, I got one of the early ones. I want to apologize to the luscious, the deeply sexually attractive Cred Federici. And for those of you who did not see the Apple announcement where he had his shirt basically half open with wind blowing through his hair, 
it'll change your life in maybe ways you don't want it to. This thing is absolutely incredible. No fan, no noise. It makes the iMac Pro that I have look like dog shit for the kind of work that I do. The only hassle I have, and I tweeted about this as well, is that you have to be careful when you open terminal that you open a, you have to duplicate terminal and create a version that always runs in Rosetta, which is our compatibility later for AMD 64, i.e. Intel, right? Or else you get crazy packages that don't work with each other. So essentially in macOS, it's possible to, to get info about an application and you can check a box that says always run this application under Rosetta. Right. And if you do that for the terminal, then any application that the terminal executes is done with x86 Rosetta compatibility. Have you noticed a, like any kind of performance penalty for that? I mean, nothing significant enough for me to care about. Nothing that's really like noticeable, in other words. No, not compare. And I had a, uh, I had my lemur and I had my other MacBook right next to it, which is an Intel MacBook, and it's like the M1 is faster. Hmm. Um, also, no fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. And the battery is just like out of control. So. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I will say like it. Okay. My one pet peeve, although people have sent me weird hacks on Twitter of how to fix this. Like what I thought I could do was like set one color theming for Rosetta Terminal and for um, ARM Terminal, right? And one terminal. Sure, that'd be clever. It can't seem to do that without it affecting both. And I don't know why. Have you thought about maybe using Terminal for like either x86 or ARM and then using something like... Well, that that's what people have been saying. Use iTerm or Alacrity. Right. And just like, since I'm realistically for the foreseeable future going to be working in Rosetta mode on this, just like basically make Alacrity or iTerm or whatever the ARM Terminal and make Terminal uh, or vice versa. It doesn't really matter what you do, right? But... I kind of like terminal app. Have you messed around? Can you do Docker yet? Can is that stuff functional? The Docker is still pretty busted. Mm, okay, performance wise, it's not great. But that's one of those things that I got to tell you. If the Docker team isn't scrambling to fix that, I don't know what the hell they're doing. This is a computer I could take when the apocalypse is over on trips, and literally no longer have to like politely say, "Oh, I'm sorry, uh, sir. Can I just like creepily crawl under your chair to get the power outlet?" Right. I I love it. I, mean, I don't know what to say. It's it's a little like I have pet peeves, but my biggest one being Docker. But that's just gonna fix itself, right? Matter of time on that stuff. And the other thing for me is that you know I live in PyCharm, Ruby Mine, and VS Code. Now VS Code does not have an M1 version yet, which ironically has kind of forced me back into PyCharm because JetBrains, to their credit has made M1 versions of all their tools. Mm. Do you notice a difference? They are faster than the, like, signif- like they're, it's pretty noticeable. Cool. But when they try to run terminal commands, they run them on the M ARM terminal. Ah, yeah, unless you run the whole damn thing under Rosetta. Right. Ah, that stinks. Now, there may be a way to change that. I haven't looked into it deeply because I tend to run my terminal commands actually on a, on a regular ZS- ZSH terminal. Right. Like on a Linux box, you'd say this is the default terminal. So you could just like switch the default terminal to the... Right. I, I Someone I saw in one forum that someone was like, actually, if you open them from the command line and do these like flags, it'll tell it to run the application in R mode, but run the terminal to route to uh, the, uh, the Rosetta terminal. Whatever. I mean, I got to be honest with you, at least for the Ruby community, you know they're porting everything to M1, right? Yeah. They just are. 
the TensorFlow performance. Yeah. Holy crap. Interesting. Beats the shit out of my iMac Pro. Really? <laughs> oh, man, that's brutal because that iMac Pro is like a $4,000, $5,000 machine. No, 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 no it's, not, it's not like a $5,000 machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 5000 plus tax machine that I just oh. bought. Yeah. Who's my nice, expensive doorstop? Who is a good doorstop? Isn't that something that a fanless computer can can beat it like that? It's 5000 somethings as far as I'm concerned, but yes. In part, it's got to be because the iMac... Apple didn't even really put a great GPU in there when they made the iMac Pro. So it's got it's got a pretty old GPU where this has, you know, Apple's best attempt at a GPU yet. Right. It's their like dark magic sorcery GPU, right? Like it's like Apple's Cred Federici's windswept hair graphics processing. I don't know what to say. And it's really still it's an area where they're not as competitive. If you put them up against an AMD or NVIDIA GPU of a decent quality, they'll still the NVIDIA and AMD GPU will still win. So this is, and then I'm going to just drop it, right? But this is going to be my pitch for the M1. It is not the most powerful machine. It's maybe not even like the best value because, you know, (laughs) Apple. But if you are looking for a decent laptop that has good battery life, good performance, a good screen, decent speakers, an okay camera, although it's better than other cameras, and you could just like take a Zoom call and not have to worry about headphones and stuff, it does the job, and it does it kind of better than most of what I've seen. I, I don't disagree with that, especially if you're not unplugging and replugging in sound interfaces. That thing's going to work on a video call every single time. Yeah. And that is something that people write in about a lot is, I just want to have a setup that works for video calls. Um, because uh, yeah, on, a, on a traditional laptop, it, you know, you're unplugging and plugging stuff in all the time. Your interfaces are changing. It, it can be a little shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Datadog.com slash Coder Radio. This episode is sponsored by Datadog. You've got to go check them out. They have a beautiful website that really brilliantly explains what they do. But in short, they're a unified monitoring and analytics platform that gives you comprehensive visibility into cloud, hybrid, and multi-cloud environments. Now, go to datadog.com slash Coder Radio and see what I'm talking about. See the visuals here. They let you quickly analyze the performance of your Linux servers. You can see inside containers, see what they're doing. You get real-time customizable dashboards, which is great for troubleshooting Linux issues. You can get there in seconds, get a unified view of all of your metrics, get your traces and your logs all in one place. And with turnkey integrations for over 400 technologies, you can even use Datadog to monitor key Linux metrics alongside data from the rest of your application stack and get full visibility into the health and performance of the entire picture, of the entire infrastructure in one place. That's what Datadog does. Start your Datadog trial today by visiting datadog.com slash coderadio. You start the free trial, and if you create one dashboard, you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. You get some swag for one dashboard, and you get to really just see just a glimpse of what Datadog is capable of. It's... It's a beautiful way to solve problems and track performance. Datadog.com slash Coder Radio. And a big thank you to Datadog for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Datadog.com slash Coder Radio. Well, this is interesting. Um, I talked about this last week as I have Dell's XPS 13 Developer Edition in-house. And I think what we have here are the two apex predators for portable developer machines. 
and there is an x86 pathway and there is an arm path and i think it's interesting to look at it from that angle and so i'm curious to know what the price differences is um, because the xps i'm going to talk about is 1400 dollars as configured it's you get a lot for that all right, so I got the 13-inch MacBook Air Silver because I just feel the 13-inch ones should be silver. I don't know. Call me Mark Warmit. <laughs> 16 gigs of RAM, 7-core GPU. I did not up the GPU. The second time around, I did my research, and it's actually the same. I'm sorry, CPU, not GPU. It's the same CPU, but like the 7-core one just didn't pass the quality, whatever, whatever. So eh, I didn't want to spend the extra money for the potential extra core, right? Yeah, I did bump the RAM to 16 because, I mean, I honestly, if I could have, I would have done 24 or 32. That's not an option, and it should be Apple. You guys are nuts. Uh, 256 RAM, and no one cares about the bullshit stuff they put here. So that was 256 gigs of storage. Um, storage. No, 256 RAM, Chris. I just I hooked yeah. it right up to a data center, <laughs> and I was just like, "Give me the Tim Cook model." <laughs> Tim Cook uses an iPad very famously. Yeah, yeah, although although I wonder, really? <laughs> really? You know who doesn't use an iPad? His assistant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> His assistant sitting there with an iMac Pro like, why the fuck can't this guy just get a keyboard? Why like, don't I get an M1 iMac? They gotta make those somewhere, right? They have those. I'm Kim Cook's assistant. <laughs> He's like, this letter is too long for me to type on my iPad. And he or she's like, you know, you own a company that makes computers, right, bro? Like, <laughs> just go downstairs and be like, I want a computer. One day. One day there'll be one probably that takes that much RAM. One day the CEO of one of the largest computer companies in the world will actually decide he likes computers. <sighs> A boy can dream. They're still getting you to buy them. Oh! I thought we had agreed there'd be no more hate speech. <laughs> so the price tag on this baby, $1,199. Okay, so it's coming in cheaper than the XPS 13 at that price. And I spilled coffee today and did not spill it on it. So, <laughs> you know. All right, well, so here's the competition on the x86 side of stuff, I I think. Dell sent this in to me for review. Yeah, and uh, the easiest way to see these is just go to dell.com slash Linux. They have, like, all of them there. Uh, but I will have a link to the very specific build uh, in the show notes. But this is using the latest Tiger Lake 11th Gen CPU from Intel. This is a CPU they probably should have shipped a year ago, but I'll get more to that later. That This thing can burst up to 4.2 gigahertz, if, depending on the CPU. You can get it in i7 and i5 variants. The one that I got ships with Ubuntu 20.04, and because it's the 11th gen CPU, it has the Intel Iris XE graphics. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. This build had 16 gigs of RAM of low-power DDR4, which is the stuff that lets you sleep for a long time and not take a bunch of battery power. It has a maximum possible config of 32 gigs of RAM. I got the 512 M.2 PCI MVME solid-state disk in this one. It has a maximum possible of 2 terabytes. This also came equipped with the 1080p touchscreen, the edge-to-edge infinity display. It's a 1080p version instead of the 4K version. It is still touch, and it's still beautiful. Beautiful colors, super, super dense pixels. It's just really a gorgeous screen still. As configured from Dell with pre, with Linux preloaded, $1,399. It is, I think, a premium pre-built works out of the box at a reasonable price at that point. It really has a, a lot to kind of offer. To Dell's credit, they really jumped on that 11th gen CPU when Intel finally got their act together. 
and they've really developed something pretty nice here. And they sent this one in the white housing to me. Ooh, that white housing's great. It's nice. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would have chosen it. Like, if I was buying it for myself, I think I would have played it safe and just gone with Boring Old Silver. But I'm really glad they sent me the white one. It's a matte white, and then it's wrapped in that chamfered aluminum bottom that they have. And then the palm rest area for the Arctic white one, they call it a woven glass fiber palm rest. So I, I don't know if that's some sort of fiber plastic. I don't know what that is, but it feels good. It feels fine. The keyboard itself re- remains really good. It feels oversized for what it is because it's edge to edge on this XPS. And it's it's plenty nice to type on. Uh, they have one of the better fingerprint readers on laptops. They got a nice pad that also acts as the power button. And that, of course, fingerprint reader works under Ubuntu. And then the keyboard itself, because it's a white sort of chiclet style, but like an evolved, more modern laptop chiclet style with a white backlight that kind of has a, a kind of a cool white glow look to it in the dark that impresses people when you show them the laptop. They're oh, interesting. And the screen itself is wrapped in Gorilla Glass. I could still break it. Yeah, yeah. It's But it's, you know, it's a little more durable than your average screen. They've put a lot of engineering into the cooling, too. It's something that Dell really, really has worked on on their larger laptops, but they've brought some of that down to the XPS 13. It's got two kind of large, for a laptop, moving fans in this 13-inch housing. But because they're always moving slowly, and the way they've routed the heat, you really never hear them kick in. I had this thing running machine learning benchmarks for nine hours straight, and I could kind of hear the fans in my dead quiet office. Uh, so it, they do they do a really good job. It's got two USB-C ports. I think they're both Thunderbolt, although I only confirmed that on one of them, but you can charge with either one of them. And uh, if your workload is Linux and you want to stick with x86 for a while, I, I think you need to understand what a game changer the 11th gen Intel Iris XE graphics is. I screwed up, guys. I, I have buyer's remorse just a little bit with my X1 Carbon because it's a 10th gen CPU. And I put this XPS 13, which is an i5, up against my X1, which is an i7, in the machine learning benchmarks from openbenchmark.org, which is an entire suite of benchmarks. It, like I said, runs for nine hours and really pushes the machine in nearly every single way a machine learning workload could possibly push a machine. And these results, by the way, are public and will be in the show notes. And also, by the way, you can compare them directly to your machine. This is something that the Pharonix Benchmark Suite makes super easy. You don't even have to know how to use the tool. You just get it installed, and then they'll, he'll tell you the commander run to compare it directly against the XPS 13. I put clean XPS 13 benchmarks up there, and you can compare it apples to apples with your own machine to see what kind of upgrade you would get. And this thing shredded my X1. This i5 XPS 13 shredded my i7 ThinkPad in an embarrassingly every single category except for one insignificant category. This XPS 13 destroyed my brand new X1 Carbon. And then, to make things even more insulting, you can actually play video games with this Intel built-in GPU. I'm not kidding you. I know they're not perfect. You know, they're medium quality, but I was able to play Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I played CSGO and Hot Shot Racing, all games I'm currently playing on my ThinkPad that require the eGPU. I can play directly on the XPS 13. 
Now, is that an Ubuntu Fedora difference? No, no. It's just that the 11th gen, like the, they, Intel invested significantly, like a bit in a big way. If you go Google search, I'll put some links in the show notes or go on YouTube. And if you look at the Intel XE GPU, the whole like GPU nerd community is really excited about this thing. And then I guess in early 2021, Intel's actually going to launch a dedicated no, they're not. discrete graphics card. I know, I know. <laughs> There's no fucking chance. They claim it's happening this time, but I'll tell you what, what they've put, which is the lower end version, the low power version, the XELP is what they call it. They've put that in this laptop. And I absolutely wish I would have held out for it. Because it means the games I'm currently playing right now with my kids that require the eGPU, I could play on the Intel. I didn't want to step all the way up to an embedded like NVIDIA GPU. I didn't want that heat. Right, right, right. But I'm just, if you're in the Intel market right now and you need a lean, mean, portable machine, this XPS 13 with an i5 build, with these, I mean, these, you, can even, you could crank this thing up a lot more than it is right now. And it's still destroying the last generation machine. And if nothing else, I think if you're going to buy on the Intel ecosystem you've in a laptop, you've, you've got to get something 11th gen. Uh, the battery life is great. This is the, like I'm saying, this is the CPU that Intel needed to release a year ago, minimum. It's really a shame. I, I'm not trying to claim it's the M1, but I, I could easily recommend this machine to anyone who wants a Linux box and feel very confident about that recommendation. Uh, it's it's an easy to recommend machine, and the fact that you can get this good of a machine with an i5 build, so you can spend under fifteen hundred dollars to get a premium Linux laptop, I think that's great, and it it makes me wonder because I think I recall the System seventy six Galago Pro being an eleventh gen. It makes me wonder what the performance story is over there too. I I, I couldn't appreciate the the improvement that the eleventh gen Intel Tiger Lake CPUs brought mm. until I tested one. And whew, it's like Intel's finally making a decent stand here. And I could see like in another year this is going to be even better. But I don't know. You know, for a lot of folks it's probably too late because here you are, you're looking at that MacBook Air. That's cheaper. So I can understand, you know, it's a it's a it's a difficult tug of war, but this is now the situation I think vendors like Dell find themselves in, right? Because this is they're going up against the MacBook Air. So for our little nerd community, we care about things like can we game on it? Can we whatever the you know the TensorFlow, right? Like right. I mean, legitimately, you're going to be able to play a lot more actual games on this laptop than you would a MacBook Air because you could also do about Windows on this. I used to work in the games industry, and when you're in the games industry. And you look at a Mac, and then you begin to cry. Yeah. And then you go back to Windows, which is where you belong. Yeah, and, and Steam with Proton plays a ton more games than are available for Macs. So this is a portable game. This is a portable work machine that also can play some games. Age of Empires. And you're not going to have to listen to the fans while you're doing it. And they've done a pretty good job on the speakers with this one, too. They're not MacBook quality, but they're really pretty good. I I kind of don't... I mean, I don't regret my purchase because... Ultimately, what drove my purchase of the X1 Carbon was I wanted a 1440p screen. And this comes in either 1080p or 4K. If you could go back, then let's just say, you know, they're roughly the same price, right? Would you still pick the Carbon? I don't think so, no. Mm. Being able to play those games with my kids means the world to me. I get that completely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this XPS 13 can do it without a huge eGPU attached to it. 
So that means anywhere we could do it. eGPU stuff is still kind of, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I use it in the context of a dock mostly. And so it's a dock with a GPU. But it also means, hey, if we're going to game, we have to do it right here, right? We're, with this XPS 13, we could literally do it anywhere. And, and that's without having to have a big, loud, hot, power-hungry NVIDIA GPU in there. And it also means, as for a Linux user... All that stuff, all the all of the driver code is open source and baked in to every single Linux distribution. That's true, yeah, because it's Intel. Yeah, yeah. So and it's it's so it's a pretty reasonable. Like again, like I put Tomb Raider on like medium settings, and I noticed some graphical glitches that I don't see when I'm playing on a nicer AMD card or Nvidia card. And Hotshot Racing and CS:GO, they're they're not the most demanding games, but they're what I'm playing, and it, it worked. I was I was blown away, and it's an i5, and it just shredded the performance. In fact, so much so that I'm going to spend some time looking into my install and seeing if there's things I need to tune for my for my for my ThinkPad for your carbon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it sounds like if we were to take the state of the world right now, you know, and you're a developer looking for a premium laptop, right? So you're not, you know, you're not going to Best Buy, right? Because. Eesh. You're looking at the XPS 13. Uh, do they still call it Sputnik or no? I think they just refer to it as the developer edition now. They will, the XPS 13 developer edition. Or, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I don't understand why you would go with the MacBook Pro M1 at this point. Because the Air, it's fine. Like, it, it's probably one of the better laptops I've ever used. Yeah, and, and that no fan thing is not only nice right now, but in three or four years, there's no fan to get like clogged up and get louder. I, I'm trying to be soft. It is, in fact, the best laptop I've ever used. Now that I figured out how to fix my whole like Ruby and Python toolchains didn't work for me thing. That seems like the only two real choices to me right now. I haven't used every Linux laptop out there, but this this seems like one of the very best. And new stuff is coming out. Right, System76 has an AMD machine that's not out yet. That could be really interesting. I think the elementary guys have some kind of partnerships now, don't they? Yeah, and so is uh, so is Kubuntu. But those are all kind of different. Like, these are what we're talking about here. And perhaps, I have not tried the new Galago Pro because I think it has 11th gen. I have the, I, mine is too old for the 11th gen, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. It's what's, what Dell really has here that seems like the unbeatable combo is the extremely high-end chassis that makes this thing feel kind of like a luxury product. And then um, that edge-to-edge Infinity display is just unmatched. They have one of the best displays out there. And then they have that edge-to-edge keyboard, which is kind of like their own custom-designed keyboard that I think is superior to the most the, the, most of the other keyboards that are out there. I mean, the ThinkPad, other than ThinkPad keyboards and the new MacBook Pro um, Magic Keyboard. When you consider that, the premium build, the premium chassis, the premium screen, the premium keyboard, and the dual Thunderbolt interfaces, that's where the XPS 13 is kind of in a league of its own. I mean, my, my X1 Carbon has a lot of that, but it doesn't quite have the same build quality. It doesn't quite, mm. it doesn't quite match it there. It doesn't have quite as nice of a screen, although I prefer my 2K resolution, my 1440p resolution. This is going to be one of the hardest review laptops I've ever sent back. Definitely. Like I thought about like, oh, bummer. I wish I would have stretched this out a little bit. <laughs> so here, here, here's a plan. Here's a plan. What? Crack open a beer while you're working on the carp. Oops. Then have four or five more. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you need to keep the XPS. Right, right. right. I, I bet you if this thing had shipped with the 4K screen, I would not be able to play any of those games. 
you know, part of it was that it was a 1080p game load. 1080p, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's so, the dirty little secret, you know. Yeah. And when I'm using the X1 Carbon for day-to-day just like office task style work from home, I prefer the higher screen resolution. And I'm not really pushing the I'm, – I'm, I'm not even pushing that machine. Mm. So it's not a huge issue. But And then when I go eGPU, I dramatically outperform the XPS 13. So uh, it is funny, though. It's like the Intel stuff – is kind of starting to get a little more serious. When you combine the XE graphics with the fact that they're all open source and baked into Linux, so it makes the Linux workstation very smooth, it's like, oh, now you get interesting. Oh, fine, finally. But uh, if you're a developer out there right now and you're at a fork in the road, it's really hard to choose which direction to go other than you got to just, I suppose, base it on your workload. And if it's a Linux workload and you know primarily x86, and you need something lean, mean, and mobile that could maybe even crank out a video game every now and then when you're on the go. If you're, if you can live with, you know, middle of the road settings, this is it. This is it. And that's that describes me to a T. And then you have the size factor. It's heavier than I think, um, you know, the X1 Carbon or other laptops because it's got that metal bottom and whatnot. But it's still super portable because it's so small. <sighs> These damn laptops. Sick of them. <laughs> So I like how we've reset to our natural positions of I'm on a Mac and you're back on Yeah, and you're on Ubuntu. In a way, we're starting the year off in a traditional pattern. In a traditional pattern, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is my current Linux recommend. If somebody's out there that's you know got a budget of $1,400, go to dell.com slash Linux. There's no promos, no ad. This, this, just, this is a unit they sent me to review, and um, I got to give it to them. They nailed the developer workstation. You know, the other thing to consider is if you are in a corporate environment, sometimes they have situ- they have agreements with Dell, and so you're not getting a MacBook anyways. Um, that's a great way to go. Well, Mr. Dominic, um, I I have to, uh, I kind of have to go like, you know, pour one out to say goodbye to this laptop. So we should probably wrap this thing up pretty soon. I think that's enough laptops for a few. I months. think it's enough laptops. I think just to wrap it up, we should always say, as we do at least once a month, uh, quickly pour one out for Sun. <laughs> and uh see you all next week yeah i'm right. at Dumanuku on twitter uh, there you go thank you everybody for tuning in this week's episode i'm at chris last the podcast network is at jupiter signal the show is at coder radio show thank you to our coder qa team a new coderly report is out for you in the feed or available as a download you can get that at coderqa.co if you're not already a member links to what we talked about today while those are over at coder.show slash 395 you can also find our contact form there. That's a big part of our show. Tell us a little bit about your workload and the stack that you're doing it on. You can also find our RSS feed and all of that over there. And then last but not least, oh my goodness, how could I almost forget? you got to join us live. It's so much fun. It's the Coder Happy Hour. Starts out 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern at jblive.tv, and then it rolls right into the show. Tucks and rolls. See you right back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>